going to turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. Just want to read one verse of Scripture, although we are going to go through the whole chapter and, uh, and we're going to deal with what the Word of the Lord is saying here. But I want to speak to you on the subject, the greatness of God's love. The greatness of God's love. It is a theme in the Scriptures that the love of God is great. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And I want to speak to you about the greatness of God's love. Amen. Now, this word charity uh, in the Greek is the word agape. And that word agape is referring to the love of of God. It is not referring to love in a generic sense. It is not referring to love in a general sense. It is referring to love specifically of God. And this is important to recognize because we have in our human nature and human experience, we also have what we call love. And this love can include things such as infatuation. It can include things such as great admiration. Uh, but the problem with human love that is a challenge just like everything else that is human in origin, um, it's short-lived, it's easily broken, and so we want to make sure that when we love, we are loving with the love of God and not with human love. It, it, many of us, in fact all of us, we could raise our hands and attest to the fact that there are times in our life where we were hurt by people who loved us we felt loved by them and we loved them and and then how that love can so easily turn and now all of a sudden they are uh, exacting some sort of unusual cruelty uh, really and and what you're dealing with is you're dealing with human love and human love is like that human love is fickle human love will will turn it'll change and so you can be uh, loving somebody one minute, and then they'll do something to hurt you, and then you have no more love for them. Well, the love of God is different, and we want to talk about that love, the love of God. Because I want you to notice what the Bible says about it in 1 Corinthians 13. It compares itself, the love of God, to faith and to hope. And it says that now abideth faith, hope, and love. Now, we're going to talk about why it says now abideth. It, it's referring to while we're here on earth, now abideth faith, hope, and love. And then it says this, but the greatest of these is love. So now we understand something about love. It is great beyond faith. It is great beyond hope. That places it in a very high and lofty position in terms of its quality and in its power. So we want to look at 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to put on your seatbelt. Put on your steel-toed boots. Because we're going to look at the standard of God's perfect love. And it's going to be a far cry from what you practice and what I practice as human love. And our prayer and our desire should be that when we love people, we should not merely love them with human love, but that we should love them with the agape love of God. Do your spouse the service of loving them with the love of God. Do your children the service of loving them with the love of God. Do your friends and family, co-workers, do all people the great service of loving them with the love of God, because that is a love that has power. It is greater than faith, and it is greater than hope. And listen, faith can move mountains. So when we say love is greater than faith, I mean, we're not, we're not just mincing words here. Faith moves mountains. So if faith moves mountains and love is greater than faith, then we're talking about a very powerful force. So the Apostle Paul in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians begins to explain to us about the agape love of God. And it's important to note that it, it situates itself, this 
passage of Scripture between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. He has described the gifts of the Spirit. He has described uh, how that they are to operate, what they are, who operates using them. And right in the middle of it all, he begins to expound powerfully on the concept of the agape love of God. And this is what he says. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not the agape love of God, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, if you hear somebody speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, that is quite a remarkable spiritual experience. And, and when you receive the Holy Ghost, guess what? You will speak with other tongues. And even after receiving the Holy Ghost, you will speak with tongues. And there will be a, a gift of tongues that is in operation. And, and you will be praying in tongues, and it is the Spirit making intercession for you. But I want you to know that the Apostle Paul said, you can speak in tongues as much as you want. But if you don't have love, then it's, it's, it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and basically saying it just gets annoying when people can talk in tongues but they can't talk with kindness. When people can speak in tongues but they can't speak in love. He said it does not profit anything. It says sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And I, I see a comparison here to the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. It was a fiery serpent, the Bible says. And everybody that looked upon it who had been bitten by a venomous snake were healed when their eyes fell upon that, that fiery serpent. But then the scripture says that later, King Hezekiah threw that brazen serpent that after that experience was erected in the temple of the Lord, he threw it out and destroyed it and called it Nehushtan, which means a worthless piece of brass. So what once was fiery over time became a worthless piece of brass because the people began to worship the brass instead of worshiping the God who ordered its creation. And the same can happen with tongues. You know, tongues, the Bible says they were cloven tongues, like as a fire. Tongues were fiery. But now, if they're spoken without the love of God present, then they're just a worthless piece of brass. It's just, it doesn't profit anything if you are super spiritual, but don't practice the love of God. Amen. So it needs to be a work of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit will generate a love of God inside of us. Notice what he said. Though I have the gift of prophecy. Now that's spiritual. That's very spiritual. In this same passage, 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is going to say, I would that you all prophesy. I would rather that you prophesy. And here he's saying, though I have the gift of prophecy, and are you ready for this? This is how spiritual he is. And if I understand all mysteries. Now none of us can stand here today and say that that describes who we are. That we understand all mysteries. Nothing is held from us. That we understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith. So that I could remove mountains. And have not love. I am nothing. So if I've got all knowledge, I've got all faith, I'm moving mountains left and right, I've got the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries. If I don't have the love of God, I'm nothing. You can move whatever mountain you want to move. If you don't have the love of God, you're nothing. So the Bible goes on. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Can anyone here say they have bestowed all of their goods to feed the poor? We think we're doing something good by volunteering on Thanksgiving to serve a hot meal. But he said, though, I, if I were to liquidate everything I have and live in poverty myself so that all my goods can go to feed the poor, he said it's possible to do that and not have love. This is one of the reasons why 
Taxation will never solve societal problems. Because it is possible to give everything you have and it not be done out of love, but out of legislation. And the apostle said, if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not the love of God, it profiteth me nothing. There is no benefit whatsoever. Then he begins to explain to us, because I'm going to tell you, I have a little hard time understanding how a person can give everything they have to the poor and not have love. What he's telling us is this, human love can do that. Human love can do extraordinary things, but human love is unprofitable. Human love is nothing in the general scheme of things. So in verse number four, he begins to describe the kind of love he's talking about. And this is what we should expect to flow from us. This is who we are supposed to be. And so as we begin to read it and we realize how far we are from it, may we repent. Amen. Love suffereth long and is kind. The agape, love of God, suffers for a long period of time and doesn't lose its kindness. The agape love of God does not envy. The agape love of God does not vaunt itself promote itself and is not puffed up, is not arrogant, conceited. It does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't do inappropriate things, sinful things and ungodly things. The love of God doesn't do those things. The love of God seeks not her own, is not seeking to gain position and notoriety and push others aside. The love of God doesn't do that. The love of God is not, uh uh-oh, everybody ready? Just close your eyes and, and, and let the rain fall on you. The love of God is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. The love of God will not allow you to think evil of your brothers and sisters. The love of God does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice. It does not rejoice when somebody falls. The love of God does not get happy When someone else is suffering. But the love of God rejoices in the truth. The love of God rejoices in the truth. We know who the truth is. Amen. We rejoice when Jesus Christ is able to move in a person's life. The love of God beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. So the love of God maintains its faith. In all things. The love of God maintains its ability to bear a burden in all things and in all circumstances. The love of God maintains hope regardless of what has developed, what circumstances have have occurred. The love of God endures all things. Then here it is. The love of God never fails. You want to know... How, what to do, what to act upon, how to, how to be. I'll tell you, love. Love. Well, I don't know. They, th- there's this issue and that issue. Love. I don't know how they'll receive it. Love. Show love. And, and we say show love. But, but more than show love, just love. Love isn't something to, to show as, as in a way of fooling somebody into thinking that you love them. They're really going to believe it if I will show them that I love. No, no. Do it. Just be it. Just, just be overwhelmed with real love of God for them. And you say, I don't know that I could because they're such a bad person. You just hit the nail on the head. You can't do it. Because I'm not talking about your love. I'm talking about the love of God. So, so, so yeah, we fall short of this because this isn't us. Who's generating this? It isn't us who's manufacturing this. It is the love of God that is being described here. And the Apostle Paul is saying that that's the love that God can put inside of your heart. And so when the old uh, song said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing there's just too little of. They were talking about human love 
But in the context of agape love, that is exactly right. That's what the world needs right now is for people to love, and the Bible says without dissimulation, which means without hypocrisy. Love without facade, love without charade. So we're going to continue to look at this. Now, I do want to take you through the next few verses. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, and whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Now, what that is referring to is when we pass from this life into eternal life. Did you know that when we are in heaven, when we are in the new Jerusalem, there will be no need for prophecy anymore. There will be no need for the speaking in other tongues. There will be no need for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. The gifts of the Spirit operate here and now to help us. But when we are in a glorified body, we won't need the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We won't need prophecy. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Some have said that that means that there's no tongues today. That's incorrect. Tongues are for now. They will cease when Jesus returns. Prophecy is for now. It will cease when Jesus returns. Whether there be tongues, they shall fail. Whether there be prophecies... Uh, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come. And that's talking about the perfecting of all things. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. He's referring to us in our fleshly state. We are undeveloped. We are like children. And we speak as children and we understand as children and we uh, think like children. But when we become a man or we grow up into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ, we put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. So when we are living on this earth right now, the Bible speaks of a peace that surpasses understanding. There is a peace that surpasses understanding. That's the peace you have while living on this earth. It's a peace that you can't even understand. But when you get to that glorified place, you will have the same peace, but it will come from understanding. It will be because you now do understand all things. But the Bible said, now in this place on this earth, now abideth faith, now abideth hope, now abideth the love of God, but the greatest of these is the love of God. And I want you to know that the love of God is the answer to everything. And I want to speak to you a little bit about the greatness of the love of God. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 4 and verse, verses number 7 and 8. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. My goodness. If that was ever needed, it's needed right now. Be sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, above all things, hallelujah, above all things, have fervent agape love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Have fervent agape love. For one another. Fervent agape love among yourselves because this agape love is going to cover the multitude of sins. Have you ever wondered how we tolerate one another so well? It's the agape love of God. That's how somebody can get out of sorts and we just keep on worshiping together. It's the agape love of God. It's why I can come in sometimes and have a bad attitude and have a bad day and thank God for the agape love of God. Now, I don't need to just, I don't need to just excuse myself with that and use that as an excuse. And the Bible says turning the grace of God unto lasciviousness. But it is very true because when I speak to you about being people of God, 
you know and I know that we're not perfect and we have bad days and we have our moments and we get irritable and we get difficult and we're hard to love sometimes. But the agape love of God, which includes forgiveness, the agape love of God, which bears all things, endures all things, hopes all things, allows us to remain in fellowship. It allows us to look at our brother and our sister and say, wow, they're, they're going through it or they're having a bad day or they're, they're having a tough time and we have a gape love. You know why? Because we remember when we had a bad day, when we had a bad attitude, when we went through a tough time and people were forgiving of us and people were in, willing to endure those moments with us. So the agape love of God covers a multitude of sins. First John chapter 4 and verse number 16, 1 John chapter 4. Now, you've got to know about the apostle John. John, the Bible says John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And do you know how we know John was the disciple whom Jesus loved? Because John told us. That's how we know it. We call him John the Beloved because John told us. And, and, and John told us that he was the beloved because John did something that none of the other disciples did. He was there at the foot of the cross. He was there for the blood. He was there for the sweat. He was there for the tears. He heard audibly the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What did they not know they were doing? They knew they were putting a spear in his side. They knew they were putting a crown of thorns on his head. What did they not know? They, the Bible tells us that they knew not they were crucifying the Lord of glory. So, so that's what we have to understand when people mistreat us. That they know not that when they've done it to the least of these, they've done it unto him. That's what they don't know. And that's why we can forgive them because they know that they don't know that they have blessed God with their mouth, but have cursed man who is made after the similitude of God. Did you know that everybody is worthy of your love? Because they're made in the image of God. This might be tougher to swallow, but are you ready? That's why everybody deserves your respect. If not for their character, maybe you can't respect their character, but you can respect them because they are made in the image of God. Oh, you're going to have to earn my respect. Well, that's great. Sounds good, but it's not biblical. They're made in the image of God. And, and most people don't know how to show respect because they've never been shown respect. Nobody has ever walked up to them and respected them. Everybody's been waiting for this magic moment that they'll earn it. So you and I have the responsibility of giving someone respect. Isn't that what it's called? Give me some respect? Well, many people don't know how to show respect or be respectful because they have no respect and no one has ever given them respect. So we're going to give somebody respect. And once we give them respect, then they have it within themselves to give respect to others. That's the way love works. That's exactly the way love works. This agape love of God that I'm talking about, you know how you get that agape love? You don't get that agape love because you just decide all of a sudden you're going to start loving people. No, you get that agape love because God gave you love. That's where the love of God comes from. God gives it to you, and then you and I have a responsibility to give it to others. Praise God. People who don't love others are people who don't know that God loves them. And if they, they can even say, oh, God loves me. You don't believe that if you're not loving others. You don't believe that. You don't fully know that. Something's wrong in your understanding. Either you don't understand who was on that cross. A lot of people don't know who was on that cross. A lot of people think that it was a second person. A lot of people think that it was, it was a distinct and separate entity when it was actually God himself. 
And when you understand that it was God manifest in human flesh that was upon that cross, giving himself for your sins that you have committed, it does something to your understanding about the love of God. All of a sudden, you're able to love people, praise God, that don't deserve it because he loved you when you didn't deserve it. You're able to respect people that don't deserve it because he respected you when you didn't deserve it. Hallelujah. And so, so the scripture teaches us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, we have known and we have believed the love that God hath to us. God is agape love. We will never know the profundity of that statement on this earth. We'll know it when we reach the golden strand. But we will never fully be able to understand the profundity of what that just said. God is agape love. My goodness. Brother Wilson, the purest presentation of God is the act of love. The purest presentation of God. My, my, my. It's the act of love. It's the demonstration of love. It's the, it is the being of love. And so God is love. And the scripture said, He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. There we see baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Baptism in Jesus' name, dwelling in God. The infilling of the Holy Ghost, God dwelling in us. This is, the, this is the, the spiritual intimacy. It is us in him and him in us. And that is love. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So, so John understood the love of God because he was at the foot of the cross. Because he saw it all. He never had to question. Never once again. For the rest of his life, did he ever have to question, does he love me? In fact, when John and Peter ran to the tomb, John outran Peter to the tomb. And I love this story because John recorded, he told us that too. He wanted to make sure everybody knew. Peter's a great preacher, but I run a little faster than he does. And I got the gold, he got the silver, and... And, and so I just, I just think it's funny that he wanted that forever settled in heaven for posterity's sake. That when it, you know, when it, I'm preaching on the day of Pentecost, Peter's got your cover. But when it comes to running, when it comes to running. But, but there's a truth here to be found because if you'll remember, Peter was not at the cross. And the reason Peter was not at the cross is because he was denying the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. So when he heard that Jesus rose from the dead, he ran with a hesitation in his step. He ran like the little girl with the rose petals. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. I wonder, what's his reaction going to be? Because I denied him. What's his reaction going to be? I, I, was, I was wrong. I am condemned. I, I did something bad. And, and I think it's awesome that when Jesus comes up out of the grave, some of his first words were, where's Peter? Where's Peter? I want to assure him everything's going to be okay. Hallelujah. How many remember when God put his hand on your guilty soul and said it's going to be okay? Hallelujah. So Peter ran with a hesitation in his step. But John was at the foot of the cross. He saw it all. He heard it all. He felt it all. And he came away with this understanding. He loves me. 
and he ran with a reckless abandon. There was no hesitation in his step. There was no pause in his footfall. It was just, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And I want you to know that God wants each and every one of us to run this race with a reckless abandon, with a knowledge that God so loves me that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. Praise God. My Lord, have mercy. I, I'm going to run and see what the end is going to be. I'm going to run this race with patience. The race that is set before us. Lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. I'm going to tell you, God can tell me to lay aside anything. And I'll lay it aside because he loves me. Glory. No, 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 make no mistake about it. When I preach to you the love of God, I'm not preaching greasy grace or sloppy agape. No, sir, no, ma'am. When we preach the love of God, inherent in that love of God message is this there is a reason why his love is so special. Here's the reason he doesn't have to love us because we were sinners. And sin takes us straight to hell. That's what the sloppy agape message leaves out. Is that sin is real and sin will destroy you and sin will condemn you to a devil's hell. And listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that if the wicked commit their wickedness, the judgment of God will come upon them. But if the wicked will turn from their wicked ways, the Lord will remember their wickedness no more. But the same prophet who said that went on to say that if the righteous will turn from their righteousness, the Lord will remember their righteousness no more. So, so no, there's no, there's no greasy grace going on here. This isn't just you live however you want to live and the grace of God will cover it and you can wreak whatever havoc and, and raise whatever kind of problems you want to raise. No, that's not what this message is. This message is we were sinners. We were bound for a devil's hell. We had judgment hanging over our life. We had the wrath of God, the indignation of God. Hallelujah. That was all over us. But oh, the love of God. Oh. Oh, the love of God. What manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? And that love came to us when we did not deserve it, that love of God. Listen, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. While we were yet, not while we were righteous, not while we had everything together, not while we dotted every I and crossed every T. No, while we were sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. We love him because he first loved us. That is the first love. That, the, that Jesus was talking about to the church at Ephesus when he said, you have left your first love. We think that's first love feeling, puppy love, infatuation, the feeling of excitement. That's not what first love is. First love is the love that God gave to us. And that's what Ephesus had left. He said, you have found those guilty of false doctrine. You're, 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 you're calling out false doctrine. You're doing a good job on that. But what I have against you is you have left your first love. Somewhere along the line, you forgot that you're only here because God loves you. Somewhere along the line, in your keen ability to call out false doctrine right where it stands, you forgot that you only stand because of the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. And if we'll remember the first love, then God can build, the, build love in us, agape love. That's where the, the love of God comes from, is him loving us. When he loved us, it put love in us. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Again, that's Christ in us. That's baptism. Or pardon me, us in Christ is baptism in Jesus' name. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost is Christ in us. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
How does this love of God, how does it get in us? How do we start loving people? How do we start loving? Listen, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible tells us to love our enemies. That's I mean, really. The Bible says to turn your cheek when someone smites you and to let them smite the other. The Bible says that when somebody asks for your coat, give them your cloak also. These are red letters. So before you think this is just some pop, religious, whatever, no, no, no. No, what you believe is pop, culture, religious, whatever. If you don't believe what the red letters say. The red letters are clear. Don't you? We're not brawlers. We're not brawlers. We speak soft answers. And they turn away wrath. Hallelujah. Even when we speak the truth, we speak it in the most lethal form it can carry. We speak it in love. My God. Because when you speak the truth in love, it kills what it's supposed to kill, and it preserves what it's supposed to preserve. Praise the Lord. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to point some things out to you uh, here that the Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading at the 17th verse. And the word of the Lord says this, that Christ may dwell in us. That's again, that's the Holy Ghost in us. That's where the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. That love starts with the first love, the love that God has for you. That's, that's the roots. That's why, we, that's why we preach it, we sing it, we teach it. God loves you, God loves you. If you're a kid and you're here, we're going to put it on flannel graph and we're going to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We want you, to, we want you humming that song in the hospital waiting room 30 years from now. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You're rooted and grounded in the love of God. And that love that God has given you by loving you turns into an understanding that God believes you're worth loving. And now that you know because God has said you're worth loving, it's different if God says it and I say it. If I just walk up to you or anybody else just walks up to you and says, you're worth loving, we take that with a grain of salt because, you know, we know you don't know everything. This is why you can't get, you can't get caught up in flattery or criticism. Because the flatterer doesn't know you. Oh, you're great. You're magnificent. You're wonderful. And you just, thank you, thank you, thank you. But in the back of your mind, like, but you don't know me. And you wouldn't think that if you knew everything about me. But you also can't let the critic drag you down. You low down good for nothing. Fill in whatever blanks. And, and you think, man, oh, that's horrible that they would say that. But you got to remember, they don't know you. They're not the judge of that. They can't judge who you are because they don't know everything. But when God says you're worth loving, now that matters. Because he knows it all. When God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, he's saying that in the context of knowing everything you've said, done, thought, every place you've been. When God says something affirming, now that really truly does matter. So we're rooted and grounded in that love that God has for us, and it makes us understand that now we're worth loving, and that allows us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we love our neighbor as ourself, then and only then are we able to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we many times will try to love God without loving our, our neighbor. And the apostle John told us that if you try to do that, and if you say you love God but you don't love your brother, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. It is impossible 
to love God and not love your brother or your sister. It's impossible. So, so here's what we understand. To love God means to love your brother and your sister. If you love your brother and your sister, that's loving God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. Verse 17, we're rooted and grounded in love. And I want you to notice this in verse 18. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints. Everybody say all saints. That you may be able to comprehend. Everybody say comprehend. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. He said you're going to comprehend the love of God. It passes knowledge. It passes knowledge. Pastor Sizemore, how are we going to comprehend something that passes all knowledge? He said you're going to do it with the saints. That's how you're going to do it. And with the saints, you're going to comprehend the breadth of it and the length of it and the depth of it and the height of it. Hallelujah. Whether you like it or not, we're in this thing together. And this is where we're going to learn the love of God. Because when, when I get out of sorts, you're going to love me anyway. And when you get out of sorts, I'm going to love you anyway. And when I struggle, you're going to love me. And when you struggle, I'm going to love you. And, and, and when you've got a problem with me, I'm going to love you. And when I've got a problem with you, you're going to love me. And guess what? We're going to learn in that process what is the breadth of the love of God or the width, the width of the love of God, the length of the love of God, the height of the love of God, and the depth of the love of God. Okay, so the breadth or the width of the love of God. You will comprehend with all saints in your interactions with the saints. My God, have mercy. Now, you got to remember to do this, you got to stay close to the cross. Don't you try to be carnal. You'll backslide. You'll backslide before you know it. You'll stop, you'll stop serving God so fast. If you try to veer away from the cross, get distanced from where he's saying, Father, forgive them. Distanced from where he's where he's demonstrating the greatest act of love the world has ever known, if you distance yourself from that act of God's love, then you're going to begin to get caught up in the sounds of this world, and it'll lure you away from agape love, and you'll go right back into that broken, fickle, easily offended, easily wounded love that has failed marriage after marriage, relationship after relationship, and has broken our whole world. But if you'll stay close to the cross of Christ, my God, have mercy. You will enter into a comprehension of love that'll, that'll, you'll be celebrating silver anniversaries, golden anniversaries, diamond anniversaries, platinum anniversaries, titanium anniversaries. My Lord, you, you just love and love and you'll recognize that every challenge you face is an opportunity to know again the breadth, the height, the depth, the length of the love of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so when you come into this understanding of the love of God, it is an interesting thing. The breadth, the width, you begin to learn the width of the love of God. How wide it is. The Bible says that he has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. This love of God is wide. My God have mercy. This love of God reaches to the ends of the earth. This love of God, even as we stand here. In this sanctuary, this love of God is reaching wide, wide, wide into prison cells. Hallelujah. Into bar rooms. Hallelujah. Into alleyways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Into countries that are torn apart by war and poverty and famine. The, the love of God is reaching wide. It's widespread. 
The love of God will go places you never dream of going. The love of God will reach people you didn't know God even knew existed. But you're fearfully and they're wonderfully made. And he loves them with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. That's why we cannot discount God's ability to save anybody. Anybody that comes into the presence of God, hallelujah, God can save them. I said God can save them. He died for them. He came so they could be sought and saved and restored to the sheepfold. It is a wide love of God. Hallelujah. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. Glory to God. Do you know that beautiful old hymn? They found the words scratched on the wall of an insane asylum. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. Hallelujah. Forevermore the saints and angels song. And, and on, scratched upon the words of an asylum for the insane. Uh, a, a soul was crying out and exclaiming, Oh, love of God. Oh, love of God. How rich, how pure, how measureless, how strong. It shall forevermore be the saints and angels song. It's wide, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not just wide. But it's long, and you're going to comprehend with all the saints the length of the love of God. Amen. You're going to find out how, how far it will travel. It's long. It, it, it will go however far people go. I'm telling you that a person can drift. You say, you don't know how far I've gone, Pastor. I don't, know if, I don't have to know how far you've gone. I know how far he went. You said, you don't know how far I've fallen. I don't have to know how far you've fallen. The Bible said that Jesus went a little further. I said, it said he went a little further. And I want you to know that he went a little further than you did. Hallelujah. If you fell that low, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And if you fall further, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And if you fall a little further, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. I'm going to tell you if, you, if you stay around the saints and you huddle around the cross, you will comprehend with all saints what is the width and the length of the love of God. Woo! Oh, and, and somebody might say, oh, you better be careful, Pastor, preaching about the love of God like that. People will abuse that kind of love. They'll think you're saying that they can do whatever they want to do and God will still love them. Let me explain something to you. When people really understand the love of God, they never want to stop serving Him. When people really understand how good God is and how much He loves them, they'll never want to do anything but be dedicated and consecrated and serve Him all the days of their life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's when, it is when we conflict the love of God. And we present the love of God in a way that the scriptures do not present the love of God. That people begin to say, wait, that doesn't make sense to me. But when you just let God be God. And let his love be his love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's agape love. It's perfect love. And it casts out fear. Amen. And you know the width of it. And you know the length of it. Hallelujah. My God have mercy. My God have mercy. You know one of the side benefits of serving God? You don't have to go to hell. That's one, of the, that's one of the amenities to serving God is you don't have to go to hell. But, but that's not why I'm serving God. I'm serving God because he loved me. Woo! With an everlasting love. Oh, what a gracious God he is. Hallelujah, what a gracious God he is. Thank you, Jesus. Not only do you know the width of his love or the length of his love, but you know, you know the height of his love. He is higher. His love is higher. My goodness, the Bible says we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. But his love is higher than the spiritual wickedness in the high places. The Bible says we are to cast down every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So, so there are high things exalting themselves against the knowledge of God, and yet the love of God is higher. 
than the high thing exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And when you are with all saints, my God have mercy, you begin to comprehend just how high his love is. His love is higher than the cancer. His love is higher than the sickness. His love is higher than the betrayal. His love is higher than the bitterness. His love is higher than the mountain that has stood in your path all these years. His love is higher than any principality, than any power, than any dominion, than any throne, than any kingdom. His love is higher. And you will comprehend with all saints what is the love of God? Its height, its breadth, its length, and this one here is my favorite, its depth. The depth of the love of God. That's my favorite feature of the love of God. Because the love of God is so deep. The integrity of the love of God is so sure. Hallelujah. The character of the love of God is just so steadfast. You, 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 you don't have to wonder where the love of God is. There's depth to it. It's not shallow. It's not, it's not, it's not easily provoked. It doesn't vaunt itself. It envies not. The depth of this love of God, it, it just stands the test of time. And I want every prodigal to know wherever you are, hallelujah, we're right here waiting on you. We love you. Hallelujah. You're going to walk into the house of God and you're going to find out, you know what? Nothing's changed. The people still love me. This is still my home. This is still my father's house. Hallelujah. Because there's depth to this love. This love does not change. There's character to this love. The integrity of the love of God to me is my favorite feature because it remains steadfast. When I slapped it, it remains steadfast. When I walked away from it, it remains steadfast. When I betrayed it, it remains steadfast. I could not stop being in awe of the love of God. The Bible says that rock followed them and that rock was Christ. I want you to know that that rock followed Israel when Israel didn't follow the rock. I want you to know that the love of God has stood the test of time in your life. And I want you to know that's who we are to people. We are the depth of that love of God. And when people encounter us and interact with us, they're going to interact with the love of God that is sure, that is steadfast, that is deep. Hallelujah. Deep. And, 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 and the depth of the love of God is tied to the concept of being rooted and grounded in the love of God. And that rooting and grounding is the first love. So the depth of the love of God comes from the knowledge he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I'm unlovable, but he loves me. I'm unworthy, but he loves me. I'm undeserving, but he loves me. I, I, I've had problems, but he loves me. I've made mistakes, but he loves me. Hallelujah, I've been a sinner, but he loves me. I was wicked, but he loves me. I, I was a thief, but he loves me. I was violent, but he loves me. Huh? Hear what I'm telling you. I indulge my flesh, but he loves me. That's where the rooting and grounding and the love of God comes. And so when an individual needs love, you are qualified to love them because you know what it means to be loved when you don't deserve it. Hallelujah. So you, you, you don't look down your nose at anybody. There's nobody who's not, who's not worth loving because if he can love me, I can love you. My God, I, can I go ahead and tell you, if he loved me when I betrayed him, I can love you when you betray me. This isn't about, wait, 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 wait. This isn't about loving folks that are nice to us. What glory is there in loving people that are nice to us? Anybody can love anybody who's nice to them. This is about loving enemies. This is about blessing them which persecute you. This is about praying for them that despitefully use you. If you think the love of God was great 
when you allowed him to forgive you. You wait to how good it feels to forgive somebody. You've not known the love of God in its depth until you have forgiven somebody like he forgave you. Oh, that's, that's my favorite part. Hallelujah. That's my favorite part of the love of God. Because here's, here's, here's what the Bible said. The Bible said that when you go to your enemy and your enemy is, has, has, has wounded you and your enemy has, has given you reason to not love them, the Bible says when you show them love and you love them anyway, you are heaping coals of fire on their head. Now, when we think of that, we think of it as like, you know, setting their hair on fire. And, and we think of being like, oh, I'm going to love them. You, they're going to feel terrible after I get done loving them. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be so nice to them. They're going to hate themselves by the time I'm nice to them. That's not what he's saying when he says he coals of fire on their head. Those coals of fire are the same coals of fire that the seraphim took with tongs from off the altar and placed upon the lips of Isaiah and said, your iniquity is purged and your sin is taken away. When you are kind and compassionate and loving to someone who has been awful to you, you are taking a coal from the altar of the brazen altar and you're putting Putting it upon their mind and you are cleansing them from their sin whosoever sins you remit they are remitted unto them I have the power I have the power to walk up to somebody put a coal of fire on the part of their brain that hates me and say Lord lay not this sin to their charge your sins are remitted the sins that you committed against me, they will not be held against you because I'm not pressing charges. I said, I'm not pressing charges. No, sir, no, ma'am. He didn't, he didn't find me guilty. He let me be washed in the blood of the lamb. I'm not going to turn around and grab somebody who owes me less than I load him and hold them accountable. No, you couldn't pay me anyway. You couldn't, they can't pay you anyway. They don't have what they took from you. They don't have what they took from you. They can't pay it back to you. You know how it gets paid? Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Live in the liberty of forgiving. Live in the liberty of loving. Hallelujah. And you watch the lives of people be changed all around you. Somebody lift your hands and praise the Lord who loves you. Come on, lift your hands and praise the Lord who loves you. Yeah, praise the Lord who loves you. Praise the Lord who loves you. Praise the Lord who has forgiven you. Praise the Lord who has washed your sins white as snow. Ah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ah, hallelujah. Come on, stand with me right now in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I want to go back to Ephesians 3. I want to go back to Ephesians 3 and I want to read on through. Because it says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the height, the depth, the length of the love of God, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now. Now. Now unto him that is able. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able. Glory to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. See, we like to quote that scripture, but we don't like to quote the ones preceding it. We don't like to talk about comprehending the love of God. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height with all saints going through the process, the journey, the interaction of knowing how deep his love is, how wide his love is, how high his love is, how long his love is. Yeah. 
But once you do comprehend that, now unto him that is exceeding abundantly able to do above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And yes, that power is the Holy Ghost. But what does the Holy Ghost do? It sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. The power that worketh in you is love. It is the love of God. That's the power that worketh in us. Glory to God. And I'm going to tell you, if you let the love of God flow out of your mouth and flow out of your deeds and flow out of your actions and your interactions, if you let the love of God so saturate your soul, your heart, your mind, your body, your family, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, even relationships with people who have done you wrong, if you let the love of God flow, he will do things that are exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. He'll heal relationships. Hallelujah. That you never dreamed could be healed. He will break down walls you never dreamed could be broken down. He'll build bridges you never dreamed could be built. But they can happen now. Now unto him that is able. Now. Now, somebody lift up your hands right now. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, let me comprehend it. Hallelujah. Let me comprehend the love that passes knowledge. Let me comprehend the love. Hallelujah. That passes knowledge. Let me comprehend the love that passes knowledge. Let me comprehend the love that passes knowledge. Oh, God. The perfect love that casts out fear. The perfect love that casts out fear. The perfect love that casts out fear. Hallelujah. What if you just believed that God loves you? What if you just believed that? What if you just believed that? That he loves you. What if you just believed that? Hallelujah. I want somebody to come down here right now and believe that. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. What if you just believe that he's a way maker? What if you just believe that he's for you, not against you? I can hear the Apostle Paul saying, I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Somebody needs to be persuaded tonight. Hallelujah. That nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Oh, God, come on, that's it. I know you've got a lot of things in this world trying to persuade you of different ideas, but, but be persuaded today that he loves you with an everlasting love, that he loves you with a perfect love. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. He cut the oh, my God, my God, my God. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. He loves loves us. Oh, how he 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 loves us. He is jealous for me. Hallelujah. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. Yes, Lord. Bending beneath the wind. 